Yeah, PTG. Oh, oh yeah. Don't forget, I'm the vice president of operations. Oh wait, there. how could we forget? Yes, <clears throat> very uh, fancy title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're recording you, now, fellas. Oh, Dan, yeah. if you uh, switch out trailers, you should take your old one down to the theater guild and do a stage production of the long, long trailer. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> you should take it down to the guild and say, "Hey, if you guys ever need, if you're doing a play about a hobo." Like yeah, down on his storage, <laughs> that piece. Yeah. If you're uh, ever doing this story of, you know, boxcar Willie, <laughs> even though it's not a boxcar, yeah, it's not a boxcar. Well, okay, when, um, when he, you know, when he, he, upgraded, yeah, know. he upgraded, you know, you try. Um, remember, there was a adult film called Boxcar Bertha at one time. Did you ever see that one? You know what, no. Friedrich? I can't say that I have, but the fact well, that... Well, I uh, saw Boxcar well, Bertha. Yes, you did. Oh, she didn't care. It was a boxcar. <laughs> no. She didn't care. She would accommodate anyone in that boxcar. Um, <laughs> when I she, refer- Was she a large person? No. Nope. Oh, because if she oh, was, okay, Dan so. would not be into it. No, well, I just thought that, that you... So it's all about... It's doing it in the boxcar. Box. Oh, absolutely. It, it yeah, yeah. You know, it had yeah. nothing to do with her size. Right next okay. to the cat litter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to be clear, we're Other not cargo. To uh-huh. be clear, we're not talking about her box car. And what alley did you see this in, Fred? <laughs> That's right. What Young Street uh, peep show did you used to call them when you were a kid? Could have been any of them. All right. Hey, by the way, when we went for dinner a couple of weeks ago, I was surprised the Zanzibar is still there. I didn't know that Zanzibar uh, on Young Street. Yeah. I was just surprised because so much has changed in a lot of the old bars that I, you know, when I used to frequent Young Street as a, you know, late teens, early 20s. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of that stuff has gone, a lot of the bars, but the Zanzibar. Well, you know what? That is a surprise. Yeah, it yeah. is. Have, All right. Have you been let, in the Zanzibar? Okay. Before, why don't yeah, we start? Yeah. Let, listen, let's talk about the Zanzibar, but let's start the show. Well, there's not a lot more to say about this. Well, <laughs> oh, really, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought this was a complete conversation starter. Here we go, Dan Duran. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred Studios in Toronto, our cottage-like Brampton facility, and from Lisa's house in Peterborough. It is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Air Adventures, evnet.ca, and our newest sponsor, Architect Outdoor Living, better building by design. Now, here are two men whose bones and core have finally warmed up with this sunny spring weather and are starting to greet neighbors with a good morning and a fine afternoon, isn't it? It's the former crotchety old men, Humble and Fred. friend Larry Fedora is going to join us today, podcaster, broadcaster, official friend of the show. Yesterday, uh, Dan Duran, I I brought up this thing. I said, hey, you know, the new Cirque du Soleil show is called Kuza. And I thought that was amusing. And I knew that Fred... Well, I suspected. I shouldn't say I, I knew, but I had suspected that if I said Kuza, Fred would go, oh, yeah, you know, because my point is it's it seems a bit it's an odd thing to call your show with so close to to Kuzhole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm even embarrassed to say it out loud. 
And uh, Fred, I was. Uh, it made me feel good that you uh, supported me on that. Oh, no problem, Howard. I'm anytime. Mm-hmm. Well, Dan, uh, but you didn't seem to make the connection. No, because I've never heard that. Uh, okay, that term before. Well, really. Freddie. Hmm. <laughs> Fred, man. Yeah. I've uh, done some research, and it turns out the. Uh, <laughs> The next few shows that Serge de Soleil are putting up m- might be more obvious for Dan there. Their next show is called Twatatorio, uh, followed by Clit Clit Langa. And the, uh, the one I think they're taking on the road is called Vaginista Magica. So just, just so maybe those would be a little more obvious for you. Yeah, it helps mm-hmm. me out a little bit. Thanks. Yeah, no, Thanks I made the, a mistake. Uh... It's Clit Clit Tanga. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. And then yeah. uh, there's a sideshow called Boxcar Willie. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I actually, at age sixty three, had to stop and write that down yesterday. <laughs> I don't. There's people our age are retired or they're the presidents of company. But I was like, how can I make Dan understand the the right. joke? You're, I have to make it more obvious for Dan. You're letting your mind wander there. And then I finished with Vaginista Magica. (laughs) Fuck me. Uh, Yeah, there's different levels. Uh, Before the show, I told you last night, I listened to the latest Smartless with Paul Anka. And um, just fascinating, the songs, the stuff he has penned, the wonderful material he he has written over the years. And Mm -hmm. then then there's you with that. (laughs) No. (laughs) I literally, I was, I was. Waiting in my car for a buddy. We're having lunch, and I thought, oh, I'll, I'll do this thing for Dan. He might, this might be amusing <laughs> to him. Vaginista. Um, uh, anyway, so those are, by the way, in case you're curious, those are not Cirque du Soleil shows. Anyway, I, I Googled what is a coos hole. It's funny. I don't even see any urban dictionary. All that comes up is stuff about uh, <laughs> koozies are those, you know, they keep your drink cold. Co- no. Yeah, cozies are called, I think. Or cozy, aren't they called cozies? Like well, beer? Here it, I thought they were. Beer cozies? Beer it, cozies? I, yeah, well, it says koozie here. So koozies b- keep your... Yeah, I know what they're like little... Um, I love rubber things going around your... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever, yeah. Yeah. See, that makes me laugh, too, the fact that you, at age soon to be 67, were Googling hole. Well, I wanted to see exactly what it said. And I thought even if there wasn't something direct often and, you know, it'll direct you to Urban Dictionary. Yes. And it'll, uh, you know, enlighten you. But I don't see any of that. So maybe today, maybe the after the show, maybe this afternoon, I'll do a little more research on that. <laughs> the, <laughs> That's right. The origin, you know, the origins of the term. I can just see Doll coming into the office there on at your estate. What are you, Freddie, what, what are you doing? Oh, nothing, Doll. Just Googling Coos Hole for the show. (laughs) And then Doll walks away, muttering to herself, this is why I don't listen. And scene. Yeah. 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 uh, When Dan was staying here, I can't remember how it happened, but... You know, I have, uh, these are called Yeti cups. Like, you know, they're, mm-hmm. everyone's, they're, they're very, inst- whatever. This one I got from Golf Ontario. But the top, I think, Dan, it, it either broke or you, uh, it, it fell off the counter and it cracked. Yeah, there's a little uh, latch that uh, right underneath it keeps keeps the sl- the slidey part the slidey the part. It, yeah, and Dan, being the handyman that he is, and he, whatever it was, he wanted to make it better, so he just glued it for me because it was broken. 
Mm-hmm. And I can't. So now when I take it to the golf course, it, I can't use it because I don't want the coffee spilling. So I just went on Amazon and you can buy these tops. Um, and they're, they're sort of, uh, I guess, what do you call those? Universal? They're, you, you know, they're used on any Universal size with an O-ring around the right. outside. And then, yeah, okay. <laughs> and, uh, so they're supposed to be sealed. Like, like, it's supposed to have a good hard seal to them. So this morning I was like, okay, this, I got my first, I got it yesterday. I'm going to try it out. And as I was coming downstairs, I thought, I want to, I want to see how, how tight the seal is. And I turned it upside down. <laughs> Fucking coffee spilled everywhere in the kitchen, Dan, like everywhere. Like there Why wasn't upside down. Well, I just want because uh, I, I want to just tilt to the side of a test. Why not uh, do it over a sink? Over the sink. Something. Could have done it over yeah, the sink. Is, yeah. That is so you, right? Oh, yeah. There's no halfway. <laughs> Fucking. No, no halfway. Dude, yeah, I, I, I don't want to do it now, but I thought, I wonder, oh, it's vacuum sealed. I wonder if I could turn it over and see if the coffee would stay in. And the answer is it does not stay in. Not in this case, no. Because <laughs> it's, after, it's aftermarket equipment that you're using on that. Yeah. So anyway. uh, how, many, uh, how many stains have you added to the uh, stairs? Uh, Oh, it wasn't the stairs. It was the entire kitchen. Yeah, I know. Oh. My, no, it was not this. It wasn't the stairs. It was the entire kitchen covered in coffee. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well. well, that's all I have to report. Okay. Um, by, by the way, you mentioned all not listening to this show. No. And I, somebody a couple of weeks ago said, oh, you like Smartless? And she says, why do you like Smartless, doll? And she said, well, it's, you know, three good friends just sitting around talking about stuff. <laughs> 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 oh, that's great. That's <laughs> <laughs> sweet, doll. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't listen. Doesn't listen to this. Anyway, you get the point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Yeah. <laughs> That is funny. It's just three friends sitting around having a chat. <sighs> anyway, what else is going on? Speaking um, of La- speaking of Larry Fedorak, I listened to his King Charles podcast yesterday, and I know that's one of the subjects he'll be talking about today. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. His uh, take on it all as well, Larry. Well fought. Uh, some very very interesting thoughts. Okay, well, and again, I won't reveal any. Man. Don't Wait reveal them; just a tease. Well, he's just got all sorts of t- statistics on how you know the monarchy is just losing its grip everywhere, and why. Well, I and told you how, that that one yeah. uh, yesterday that when King Charles was born, like thirty five percent of uh, the world was ruled by monarchs, and it's down to nine percent. And he's got that spin that like thirty years ago, but there was something happened that, that there was a, maybe a suggestion that she might move aside for him, and he all he was all revved and ready for it. And now thirty years went by in a blink of an eye. Yeah, and now it's almost like oh, shit. I got to do that. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the things I took yeah. away from the entire experience last week. I said that to you. I'm like, the guy's in his seventies, and he's like, what? All his buddies are retired to Mallorca. Yeah. You know, and he's just, Mm -hmm. now I got to go to work. Uh, I'll tell you one thing Larry didn't have, because, uh, you know, the kind of listeners that listen to this program Mm -hmm. who enjoy the kind of, you know, talk that your wife doesn't enjoy. uh, Justin Deverez sent me a note, sent us a note. Deverenez, I believe is his name. He said, hey, guys, I haven't listened to all of Monday's episode. 
I hope I don't double up a bit. I didn't watch the coronation either, but a buddy of mine loves this stuff. He was watching it, and he found this on TikTok later in the day. It's worth a listen. What they are saying is a Latin prayer or phrase, which means long live Camilla. But it doesn't sound like that. Let's see if you two can can suss out what it actually sounds like. Little higher. <laughs> what they're singing is it sounds like I like vagina. <laughs> Camilla. Camilla. Come on. <laughs> That's a bunch of people singing I like vagina, Camilla. Was that was that in a church? Yes, brother. They just can't stay away from that stuff in the church. <laughs> well, no, no normally in the church it's I like wieners. <laughs> I like a penis vagina. So there you go. Maybe Larry would like to have that for his award-winning podcast. Maybe that's why we don't win awards. Yeah. That's why. Right there. Well, we've talked about, uh, you know, bark, uh, boxcar, uh, boxcar Bertha, weird names for Cirque du Soleil, now no. Vagina yeah, and yeah. Camilla. Maybe we should touch on your hero, Tiger Woods, because that has a sexual slant to it. Let's do, do it. You have, do you have the appetite for that? Because I know I when it comes to a tiger scandal, you like to sort of shove it under the rug. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's, sure. Let's talk about it. It's just... Uh, Dan, have you heard of Tiger Woods? I have, yes. Uh, a famous golfer. Yes, that's you, correct. You, you can't uh, put down... You, you. Who I enjoy. I enjoy his work. I enjoy him as a golfer. You know, he's got some uh, stuff on the side that's a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Well, really, for it, started sure. in, it started in 2009. Yeah. And very, you know, some he brought on himself, another accident, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, but now being uh, uh, charged with sexual harassment by his uh, most his uh, most recent girlfriend live-in partner, right? Yes. I don't even know her name. I don't either, actually. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she's being charged with sexual harassment. And, 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 and just the spin, when you read about what the, the court case will be a, a, about, is that she claims that he lost interest in their sex life. Mm-hmm. So once he became disinterested in her sexually, he started to move towards getting her out of the house. And he tricked her along the way a couple of times. He said they were going to go to the Bahamas, and then she left the house, and he had the locks changed, apparently. And when she arrived at the airport, we went into this room, and his lawyers are there getting trying to get her to sign all these documents. So her, I mean, her spin is that's sexual harassment because because of sex, He's harassing her in other ways. Uh. Now, I know you love to uh, find flaw in Tiger Woods, but seriously. Well, no, you do. But so but what is the sexual harassment? And I have another take on this. And I say, well, what, where is the sexual harassment in that? Because of sex, she claims mm. because he lost interest in her sexually. He started to do things to her. Mm. So in a way, that's sexual harassment. It's almost like, you know, when you. You know, some guy approaches a woman and makes advances and she rejects him and he won't give up. That's sexual harassment. Yeah, that's sexual harassment. But when you're with somebody, I mean, it sounds more like constructive dismissal to me. 
Well, what? Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, it does. <laughs> it sounds more like. Yeah. And and the I, I read the story. You know, you know, my takeaway yeah. from it was this: she wants thirty million dollars. Sure. Just give it to her. Like he, he's got so much money. Why bother with this? Another thing that's gonna even if even if he's in the right, he's in the wrong. He can't win this because he's got such a history. You know, Tiger's like a the, one of the best golfers that ever lived, but he's like a rapper. You know what I mean? He's got, he's got this sort of background. So even if he's in the right, he loses this battle for 30 million bucks. Just give it to her. Well, and you make a good point. So he opens a restaurant. This girl works there, and she's the manager, assistant manager, whatever. The day you decide that this employee... You're going to get involved with her. You know you're riding a thin line as far as exposure, right? You, you just are. It's like this girl, again, who you don't know, your employee, comes from very modest background and stuff. The minute you invite her into your home, you know that someday this could cost you a lot of money. Into your $53 million home. He's worth yes. over a billion dollars. And when I read the story, I thought, you know, Tiger, you know. What all you you've got so much money. Maybe you don't give her thirty, you say, okay, I'll give you twenty-three. But it's 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 a weird thing. Like that's why I say, where's the sexual harassment? Because what you described is somebody who's making mm-hmm. advances that are unwanted and are uh causing right. some stress. What he's what he tried to do is dismiss her. Constructively right. get her to just leave. But again, she claims it's all because he lost interest in her sexually. Hey, listen, I, you know, I'm just telling you the situation. I, whether it's valid or it, it'll go anywhere, but that's the uh, the hook that they've hung their hat on. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he's notorious. Hmm? He's notoriously cheap, by the way. This is why. And again, when I read the story, it goes with the narrative of Tiger's life. Tiger is notoriously, I guess, maybe because he came from, didn't come from a lot of money or whatever his father, whatever the nonsense was. But Tiger didn't pay his coaches top dollar. He didn't pay his caddies top dollar. He's just one of those guys that money is just weird with him. And I've read the I've you know read stories about it. And so this is a, just an example of him not wanting to pay. A smarter person would just go, oh, "Fuck, just give her the money, fuck it." Yeah, and you know, again, she comes from a modest background. She only lived with him like I think a couple of years. They were together not- a few years though. It's oh, been, okay. Well, it, it predates 2019 because she was there at the Masters. So oh, yeah. it's it's been four, five, six ish years. Okay. So relatively, yes. How do how do you go? It's just. How they come up with that number? I mean, just think about it. She was an, uh, she was a restaurant manager, very probably very you know lower middle income, right? If that, and then you live with the guy for five or six years, and then all of a sudden that turns into thirty million. How do they come up with that number? I just it's a great question. I, yeah, it's a great question. You know, like if if uh-huh. you're if you marry somebody and you guys create this wealth together, you can yeah. make a case that you know after twenty years, you know she sacrificed, you sacrificed. There's a number, and you're and it's worth what it's worth. I don't begrudge anybody that, but that's a great point you make. She where where in the world did she get does, does her value of living with Tiger or anybody add up to thirty million dollars? And and you know often in labor disputes and whatever, it's like. Because of this, I lost the potential to make this or that. You know what I mean? 
you screwed me up and in the time that I was held up in litigation or because you fired me or whatever the situation was, I, I missed the opportunity with my talent and ability to make X amount of dollars. Yeah, exactly. And often the courts will look at that and say, yeah, you have to be compensated for that because you could have earned that. How, how does that apply here? So six years of uh, managing a restaurant in Florida, even if she was highly paid, it's a seventy five dollars or $80,000 job. So, you know, there's about yeah. four. So she lost 400000 or 500000 not working. Not even that much. Yeah. Dan, what are your thoughts about this? Because, you know, you're a, like myself, a... A man of divorce, you know, you've had to deal with ex-wives. I mean, you're, obviously your estate is not like Tiger's, but it's close. <laughs> I don't know. It seems a little strange. It's a stretch what, what you're talking about there to me, like f- for the $20 million. But what I, what I don't understand, was there a prenup in the, uh, uh, with her living with him? Because she, if she was there for five years, that she would have been considered common law, wouldn't she? <laughs> Yeah, he got her to sign. Yeah, he got her to sign a bunch of stuff, including a non-disclosure thing. Um, but that's a great point too, Dan. I, I'm sure there was, and I'm sure it didn't call for her getting thirty million on the way out. Or maybe we're wrong. Maybe it did call for you know a, a pretty decent sum of money. And I know it's easy for us to say, "Oh, if you have a billion dollars, just pay it." Like I just the the amount of aggravation and and again as i said you know i'm not defending him i'm just saying even if he's right he's wrong he's not going to come out of this he'll never come out of this looking great no and i and i agree i mean there's got to be some settlement there and go back to what i said a couple of minutes ago the minute he invited her into her home he he knew he was playing with fire sure so and and now five or six years yeah like Look at the landscape, buddy. Uh, previous look at precedent. Yeah, these people end up with money, so you know you got to eat it. And if he resists, what stories are going to be told along the way? Exactly. Say, like who needs that? Yeah, and that story of him, you know, changing the locks and have lawyers meeting her at the airport. That's a little, you know, that's not kind of normal stuff. You no. know, that that you know, as far as a a public. You know the public getting to to know that kind of that. Yeah, he doesn't need that kind of bad, more bad publicity. Um, And I'm sure that 30 million, when you're adding up the negative publicity that comes from this, you know how much that cost to spread that kind of no, for sure, easily more. It's 30. It's doing 30 million dollars worth of damage to his brand. And at you know this this point in his golf career, brand is what he's got. He's still the highest paid. Well, he's certainly the highest paid golfer. He might still be one of the highest paid athletes year after year because of what he gets from his in, uh, endorsements and his sponsors. Yeah, yeah. Are you uh, yeah. are you into uh, maybe another story about money as a segue mm-hmm. here? I've had this story for a couple of weeks, and I thought maybe Dan might have seen it. But a um, in 2002, a 19-year-old British garbage man won 10 million pounds, about $15 million dollars. In the lottery, he uh, he spent it all on drugs, gambling, and prostitutes. And I don't, I don't know if that was the order of it, but in the, in his in his checkout basket was drugs, gambling, and prostitutes. He gambled it all away, mm-hmm. and eight years later, was back working at a, as a garbage man again. Mm. And his movie, Dan, Garbage Man Millionaire. 
<laughs> See what I did there for you, Dan? That's a little, yeah. that's a little joke. It's not yeah. as good as, as Twatatoria. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Garbage Man Millionaire. Imagine that, though. And, and I'm sure that happens. Uh, I'm sure that's pretty typical of people who come into money that, you know, previously were making not very much. Tying it into this uh, Tiger's girlfriend, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you're right. As soon as she, you know, started dating Tiger Woods, her her value just instantly goes up. Mm-hmm. The uh, one more money story, uh, which I found very, 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 very compelling. I didn't interesting. say interesting. Compelling. compelling. Uh, the latest edition of uh, Smartless is Paul Anka, who is uh, Jason Bateman's father-in-law, and he tells many stories about his musical uh, career. Uh, and at one point, he talks about writing. He liked to he li- you know he liked to work with other artists, write with them, or write songs and perform with them. Um, so several years ago, he decided he wouldn't mind working with Michael Jackson. So they're working on three songs, right? And they're working them and whatever you do, testing them in the studio and stuff. And then uh, one day, uh, Paul Anka's manager phones him and says, yeah, Michael came to the office and he took the tapes. <laughs> and he goes, what? And he said, yeah, Michael Jackson, he just took the tapes. Why? Well, he's not interested anymore. He doesn't want to do this. So Anka's pissed off because they're half his. Mm-hmm. Anyway, over the next couple of years through litigation, which Paul Anka hates, he wrestles back, you know, 50% of the interest of those songs. And they sat dormant for a few years. And then Drake has recorded one and some other huge artist has recorded them. And they've turned in again to millions and millions, millions of dollars. dollars. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. But yeah, and it was ju- just, you know, the stories you hear about how weird Michael Jackson was. And, you know. Paul Anka is very measured when it comes to Michael Jackson, but it's like, yeah, he just showed up one day. Yeah, Michael came and took the tapes, you know, <laughs> arbitrarily just took them and walked away with them. Uh, but anyway, through his death and through, again, litigation and ownership and uh, Paul Anka, was, uh, he had the last laugh. And, and when, when Drake takes one of those songs yeah. and Paul Anka is such a, good, a, a, a cool guy because he said to Drake, he said, yeah, you take the song. He said, I'm not going to give you permission. You take the song. You work the song. Let me hear it. And then we'll take it from there. And he loved it. So You just think about uh, Paul Anker wrote My Way, mm-hmm. which um, he, I don't you know, it would be incalculable, really, to how, how much money he made off that one song. Mm-hmm. The two artists that recorded it that were the most famous, Frank Sinatra and Elvis. Not bad. But did he not also not write the uh, Tonight Show thing? I remember yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they do. They talk about that. And uh, there's a great story to that, too, that the original producer didn't like it. He was very territorial. And the fact that Johnny reached out to Paul Anka and Anka wrote this thing and the original producer apparently wasn't big on it or whatever. Again, this is very loose with the facts, but Johnny liked it so much. They used it, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but as Paul Anke said, yeah, Anka said, you know, you, you write something like that and you think, you know, two, three, four years you'll get out of the mm-hmm. thing. Maybe they'll switch the theme <laughs> or the show will, show will be off the air. He said, 30 years later, put all my kids through college, you know, bought a house. Like, again, every night yeah. for Johnny's run and now forevermore in uh, reruns.
That's where we missed about 33 years ago. We really just should have had, uh, you know, one theme for three decades plus three years. <laughs> where did he grow up, uh, Fred? Did he say Ottawa. Ottawa? Ottawa. Yeah, Ottawa. And he lives where now? In Los Angeles or something? He probably lived in Las Vegas would be my guess. Yeah, I think he's got houses. Yeah, he's got some. You know what, Dan? Dan, you know what? He's living in. uh, He's living in an Airbnb somewhere because he can't. (laughs) He's living in. But Howard, I I, I thought of you, and I'm sure you'll listen to the interview. But he lived in Italy, so he has produced songs in Italy, Hmm. singing Italian. He's done it in Germany, even Japan, even Japanese, singing in that language. Parenka, Palenka. Yeah, that brings back so many memories. That's just such a iconic uh, part of our, well, certainly my mine and yours. That and the, uh, I used to, again, the Letterman theme was another one that whenever I hear it, it gives me that kind of a jolt. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've used our theme the podcast years has always had uh what were we gonna laugh at there yeah what were we gonna say we did not write this no but i'm saying it, it i mean there's no other thing that has become associated with us there's another song from the edge years although i can't remember what we used to use as a top hour three do you dan no it's some sort of canned uh yeah uh music service something or other but maybe this puts people in the mind of the Humble and Fred show. You never know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Duran, will you or won't you be? <laughs> will you or won't, or won't you be yeah. our newsman, Dan Duran? Today I'm going to do the news. Oh, Freddie. Sourcing news right Dan's now. Dan's going to do the news for us. I love, I love right. news. We love when Dan comes back for the news. Uh, after Larry Fedoric, which is coming up in a couple of minutes' time. In the meantime, Friedrich will take us on a tour of this fine sponsorship. Uh, yes, uh, the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Uh Dental, very important for, you know, young families. Well, any family, any person, really. Dental health, really. It's the route to good health, is it not? Yeah. So it really is. Yeah, very so good. You, people with teeth. It's good for yes. all people with teeth. Uh, you know, and prescriptions as part of this, uh, different kinds of therapy, travel insurance. We've talked about the travel insurance uh, aspect of it. And again, a small business can be part of this. Go to chamberplan.ca. Get a free quote. Get a free quote. Find out what it will cost your small business to be part of the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan. Very progressive mental health aspect to it now. You know, if you're struggling a bit, they'll help you through it. Find the right people to talk to. Yes, they will. And uh, also a uh, HR component. You know, things are very complicated when it comes to employment this uh nowadays as you know so they have that component as well it's the chambers of commerce group insurance plan chamberplan.ca if you're wondering who are experts in design and construction when it comes to outdoor living that's arc a deck a-r-c-h-a-d-e-c-k arc a deck living 
Architect Outdoor Living is the largest and oldest outdoor living builder in North America. North Americano. Uh, clients and um, satisfied customers. Over 150,000 products, projects since 1980. They're general contractors. As I mentioned yesterday, they specialize in outdoor projects. Man, do they ever... Build a lot of decks. Yeah, they'll do your pool house. Yeah, they'll do your outdoor kitchen. But they design these decks and they make them beautiful. Beautiful outdoor living spaces for homeowners. And they're they're dang good at it. They put their customers at the center of the business. You know, renovations are a big investment. It's a financial investment. It takes time. It can be, as you know, Friedrich, very emotional. Yes. And they're with you at the customer every step of the way. Their project managers are tracking all of the details, the scheduling, building permits if you need them, creating structural plans for tradespeople, managing suppliers, and sourcing materials. All the stuff that you don't want to do, they take care of it. And the most important step, keeping their clients informed every step of the way. For more information, if you're thinking about this, even if you want to have a conversation about it, Archadec.com, A-R-C-H-A-D-E-C-K.com. Do uh, we got some time? If you want to do the uh, Alex Jones story, I got all everything is all set up. Uh yeah, um, this happened. There's a, a, a young Canadian comic. I believe he's from Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I'm sorry, Howard. I just I, I'm searching. I'm you know. The well, the guy's name is Prank Stallone. Yeah, I know, but but, but his his real name is something else. But anyway, he phones and he pranks people, and, and he did it with Alex Jones, and he used artificial intelligence. Um, uh, using Tucker Carlson's voice and f- and f- f- pretty much fooled Alex Jones. You know, it's funny because Stern does this all the time, these funny phone calls where he doesn't use AI. He just takes clips of mm-hmm. people and he cert- inserts them into the conversation. Mm-hmm. But so, and I've read the story and, and we're going to talk about it, but I'm just curious when I, when I first heard it, and we're going to play it in a second. I thought, mm-hmm. well, okay. So how, some, what he's done now is taken AI to replicate Tucker's speaking, but right. you know, radio people have been doing this for years. Like I said, just cutting up clips. Yes. So um, what do you want to play first? Do you want to play the Alex Jones reaction first, which I find yeah. hilarious and then play the call? Yeah. I'll, what do you think we should do? Yeah. Because that's the way he presented it. I'll I'll explain that this uh, prank Stallone kid, and I'll and I'll come up with his actual name because he's got a whole other sort of presentation on the side. What, what he did is that he he phoned Alex Jones live in the air. This interview took place. He fooled Alex Jones. He said it went great. Almost he almost he ran out of segments to play. Right of of, of hits of Tucker's voice. It went on that long apparently. Mm-hmm. Um. And then Alex Jones finds out it becomes this big controversy for a few days, but the kid doesn't release the actual call until yesterday at noon because he was just smart. It was like you got this buzz. Oh, you want to hear the call? You got to wait till Monday at at noon on Mm -hmm. Monday. You know, and Alex Jones isn't going to play it, obviously. No. Um, So anyway, yeah. So he released it yesterday. 
But Alex Jones, and again, it's the hypocrisy of it. What Alex Jones accuses him of, generally, mm. is just so funny because we all know about Alex Jones, what he's all about. Anyway. Alex Jones, the guy that was sued for like billions or hundreds of millions of dollars, nearly a billion dollars, by yeah. the parents of the victims of Sandy Hook because Alex Jones said that was fake. And a false flag. And, of course, a million other things, you know. Uh, so here's Alex Jones reacting on his uh, little show called Infowars. Info if you've never heard it, have a listen. Uh, pranks to loan something. Tucker Carlson's lawyers are involved in what you did, we believe, is a crime. So I think even though you think you're safe up in Canada, you're going to get arrested for what you did yesterday. So keep laughing, you little arrogant person. And, 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 and give me your best. Link my phone number everywhere. Attack us more. You mess with the wrong people, son. You mess with the wrong people, punk. His name is Chris James, by the way. Prank yeah, Stallone, is, yeah. 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 But I think somebody that calls up a mother, he didn't do this, somebody else does. It's all over the place. Uh, yeah. and then he, so Alex Jones goes on to talk about something else, and then I'll and skip. I hope she wires $50,000. This is not what Frank's Prank Stallone <laughs> does. And then in our voices, say things we never said. We need to punish <laughs> these people. They need to be dealt with. I call for him to be arrested now. Said the snake oil. How would the police yeah. like? Oh, yeah. Now, I don't have all the call. I just have a little bit of it. Yes. <laughs> I have the part that I thought was hilarious. Let me make sure I got it right. Myself, I just, I'm sure you've heard about. So this is him talking about some it. Some of the double ups and some of the nonsense in there. But just with everything that's happening, I decided to put it out audio untouched. Uh, so here it is, the audio from the uh, Tucker Carlson, Alex Jones AI call, as well as a call that I had with Alex Jones afterwards. Enjoy. Hey, brother, how you doing? Hey, Alex, it's Tucker. Do you have a minute to talk? Absolutely. You busy right now, was, or you got a second I to talk? Going, I just jumped out. What's going on, brother? You busy right now, or you got a second to talk? No, no, I just, I just have to meeting with my wife. Go ahead. I was thinking we could do a show together where we're topless, and we suck each other's nipples <laughs> and sort of play with them a bit. It would be a comment on gender really roles, sort of a funny parody. Here Alex Jones says that's a really great idea. Thing. <laughs> Alex, well, they took my bobby tie. What the fuck, man? He says you got to do it at Infowars.com. You got to get him on my fucking internet show. Alex, they took my bogey tie. What the fuck, man? <laughs> you got to go to Infowars.com. Did my number not come up? <laughs> What's going on, man? Alex, right they took my bogey tie. What the fuck, man? I know. It's, it's, it's not good. Well, if this, I mean, it does sound like you, but the AI is so good now, you don't usually talk like that. Hey, uh, so now he's talking to the kid. Anyway, that's the uh, the gist of it. Gist of it, yeah. Pretty good. Um, and the technology. It's interesting, though, to give Alex a bit of credit to to sort of see that right away. Mm-hmm. Um, now I haven't previewed. There's another twenty minutes of, on this clip, so I don't know if there's more of it. Mm-hmm. Is there? Do you know? There must. I be. would imagine there is because uh, what I read, Chris James said that. He used a lot of what he right. had in the bank. But again, that's the gist of it. And uh, 
Alex Jones, you know, ultimately finds out it was AI, mm-hmm. finds out who the kid was, and then you played his reaction to it. But again, the irony of it is, is that probably one of the most vile human beings that has ever stalked the earth. Oh, yeah. Through the Sandy Hook stuff and selling that useless snake oil that he does uh, to lash out at somebody else. You know, another thing that gets me when he, I I think Alex Jones said something. Oh, I was just talking to my wife. Who is that person? Mm -hmm. Who is that person that's married to him? And again, it's all about Alex Jones. I get that. He's the evil guy. But who is that? Like, hi, honey. How was the show? (laughs) That's right. You know, we think it's funny that doll doesn't listen to this show. What about Mrs. Alex Jones? Exactly. It's like, wow. You know, and and I've I've said this about the, the sort of Republican Trump supporters. These poor people. I do. I think a lot of them are just being. You know, they're they're being sucked into this narrative. And I think about those people that support Alex Jones and send him that money. And, you know, the whole thing's a scam, the snake oil, all the vitamins and the the stuff. And, and I think those are the people that can least afford right. to be hoodwinked by this guy. And yet mm-hmm. there they are supporting him. And mm-hmm. anyway. But uh, I'm going to try and find, because I only did this really quickly before the show. Right. So I'll try and get some more of the clips, but I, I don't know where they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is interesting. It's, um, his name is Chris James. You know, obviously everyone wants to get him on the show. It'd be cool to talk to him. Well, we've got, uh, we've got Larry Fedora. <laughs> Isn't know. it? It is, though. But you look at this Chris James kid, and I was at his website yesterday, and it's, you know, he's just one of thousands out there trying to get his head above the crowd, right? Mm-hmm. And then you never know what's around the corner with a thing that's going to hit for you. Yep. And look at this. He does this last week. And, you I mean, you Google this, and it's just everywhere. Um, here we are using the name Chris James this morning, right? Yeah, uh, it's in Rolling Stone and all yeah. kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, that's the... That is the uh, dichotomy, if you will, of the Internet age that you never know. You can, and, and trying to predict. I mean, obviously, if you're Ryan Reynolds or some huge celebrity, anything you do by definition because of the enormous following will go viral. But when you don't like um, prison pranks alone is what he calls himself on Twitter has yeah. thirty two thousand followers. And yeah, this thing, cool. he, this Alex Stone thing, is going to have millions of hits. Oh, yeah. But you talk about technology and how it turns into stuff. You look at The weekend. That kid in Scarborough in his bedroom produces a few songs, and now he's put a bid in to buy the Ottawa Senators. Like, just think about that. Exactly. It all started... You know, years ago, somebody might have been an artist and wrote some stuff, and they have to go through a record company before it's distributed and, you know, could be discouraged or lose interest. And the powers that be, even though it's a great song, it never gets out to the public. That's all gone now. And now this kid, I heard now he's the highest streamer on in the world ahead of Drake now or something. But anyway. The weekend? The, yeah. The, yeah. The point is... Um, yeah, those beginnings, and he, I think he's still in his 20s, has turned into a bid for the Ottawa Senators, which are only worth a billion dollars. I sure. mean, of course, he's going to have partners, but still. 
Um, well, let's move on. Uh, here's a guy that's, uh, when he creates content, it goes viral. <laughs> he, uh, you know, he just opens his mouth and people are like, what is Larry, what? What did Larry say? <laughs> he is uh, an award-winning podcaster. Something I like to bring up because, uh, you know, we are not. We just, we're like the, uh, Larry's like a boutique shop. We're like the army and navy of podcasting. We just, <laughs> we're just fucking volume dealers. His uh, latest podcast is called Later That Same Life, and uh, it's always a pleasure to welcome our good friend, El Fed, back to the program. Hey. Hey, Humble. Hey, Fred. How are hey, you? Hey, Larry. Good to see you, Larry. Um, there was an Army and Navy store in my hometown of Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Yeah. Did Saskatoon have one? Uh, yes, and we also had a sand store. Yes, same with us. There's, and, of course, there's the Zellers. There's a uh, callback for the prairie, prairie people. San, S-A-A-N. And I recall going into the Army and Navy store on Main Street in Moose Jaw as a kid. And that would have been the mid-60s, only 20 years after, uh, you know, we came back from the war. And in that store, <laughs> they still had, like, you could buy all kinds of camping gear and such, but they still had gas masks for sale. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, like, did you ever, did you have those here in Fred, in, in Fredland, in Ontario, Fredman? Oh, yeah, there was one up near the Tin Palace called McKay's uh, General Store, McKay's Surplus or something. And it was one of those stores you'd walked in. It just looked like a mess. It, it, you know, it looked like a hoarder's place. Yes. You'd walk in and ask that guy for something. He knew where it was. It was, it was crazy. But, but- and there were gas masks as well. Army and Navy was not an army surplus store per se, though. Was it, Howard? Do you remember? I, I, maybe it started like that, but it was more like a general store, like a department yeah. store that right. featured, which, again, even as a kid, I thought was a bit <laughs> unusual, that still featured gas masks. I'm like, what are, what are those for? Not only what are they for, um, what, what were they intended for? I, they, they, you know, every department store has to have, you know, the door crasher, something to get people in the store. <laughs> that's right. The lost so, leader. Um, the lost leader. That's right. Let's, uh, that let's was, get, we, we had a lot of ground to cover. Uh, Fred, who uh, did more research for this interview than I did, he actually listened to that's your right. podcast. But well, uh, why do go ahead? Speaking of Saskatchewan, I may solve that mystery of that choir at the coronation singing uh, Vagina Camilla. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. So, so, and I'm, I'm, Howard, I will say I'm surprised that you didn't get this right away. Being from Saskatchewan is, is Latin Regina is queen. Right. You know what? Right. We but, always, growing up in Saskatchewan, our capital was called Vagina Saskatchewan. We, <laughs> that's right. It's oh, the 12 year old joke. Exactly. Vagina Saskatchewan. Well, Larry, Vagina. you know, I could have well, looked at it. Wasn't could've. there recently, sorry to interrupt there, but, you know, that whole uh, tourism thing by Regina. What was it? Show, we'll show you. Show us your Regina, Regina yeah. <laughs> right. Something, and, and they, and it, which was very, very clever, but of course, nowadays you can't. You could only be so clever, but it was squashed. Well, what I, was, I, I always wondered driving on the Queen Elizabeth Way here in Ontario when I would see uh, those bridge signs that said ER. They're still there. Right. And I was like, ER? What? What is ER? It's Queen Elizabeth. And, and it and it stands for Elizabeth Regina. 
which means Elizabeth the Queen. So, well, what I was going to say was, yes, I could have put the two together, our vagina and Regina, but that research would have quelled an infantile <laughs> bit of humble and Fred humor. So let's get to the speaking of the monarchy. Uh, I watched uh, 13 seconds of the coronation Saturday morning before I left to uh, go golfing. I saw some kids singing and some people in a church. Uh, that's about it for me. What about you, Larry? Well, it's funny that you mentioned the kids because every time I, I saw the kids at Westminster Abbey and I could just these these young boys going, I was going to play football today and go to the sweet shop. <laughs> Instead, I'm stuck in the church singing. Um, I actually, good for you because you did the wise thing. I, uh, I, I had it on because I was kind of working at my desk. So I got the TV on and I had it on mute because I just couldn't take it. And so I pretty much saw the whole thing, heard almost nothing would have missed that wonderful vagina choir mm-hmm. um <laughs> vagina singers and i would look over and it was just creepy the the word that kept coming up to me was creepy where where the little children carrying the the train the, the robe you know and the the crowns and the jewels and then charles is putting on one glove and i'm going if it doesn't fit you must acquit <laughs> And and then he grabbed a scepter in one hand, and then he has to kiss a sword and give it to the to the minister, and he kisses it and puts it on an altar. And I was like, "Whoa, this is creepy stuff, man!" It's just that, that's the word that that stood out. For it me. seems it antiquated, creepy. doesn't it? It seems a bit well, out of touch. It's probably a better word is antiquated, yeah. But I just I was creeped out by the whole thing. And this, and I thought later too, this is a pared down version, mm. apparently, right? That wasn't going to be as big as as Queen Elizabeth in in 53. Uh, So this is you watch all this pageantry and ridiculousness and go, this is this is coronation light. Mm. (laughs) This is a pared down version. Oh, this diet coronation. I said that to Howard yesterday and I listened to your podcast last night and I totally agree. I mean, you know, it's just. It's just also at a date and at a touch now. And I know it's tradition for some, but probably the older guard. But, I mean, as I said to Howard, this was an opportunity after 70 years of not having it to sort of turn the other way or turn the corner on it and say, okay, I'll become king. But all that stuff, you know, we can't afford it or it's it doesn't make sense anymore. But that was an opportunity missed. I wasn't aware that this was a pared down version of it was. My God, what what was the the last one like? That's what I thought, Freddie, too, when they said it was going to be a pared down version. I thought, what are they going to go to City Hall and then just go over to the keg after? (laughs) (laughs) Invite a few friends over, you know? Yeah. Instead of wearing the big crown, I was like, does he have an everyday crown? <laughs> you like know, they were the going to pare it down. They were going to have the thing in some friend's backyard. Just a nice summertime barbecue. <laughs> and Larry, I, I liked your spin that like 30 years ago, he was right into this. But now in the blink well, of an eye, 30 years goes by and it's like, really? Now he's sort of saddled with all this. And the reason I picked 30 years was that um, 30 years ago, a approximately the queen would have been 66 mm-hmm. and 66 is the retirement age in england which now i know the royals and uh, you know they're not subject to such things as retirement ages and everything but but still it's got to be there mm-hmm. at 66 well that's a retirement age around here i wonder if mummy's thinking of uh, mm-hmm. hanging it up you know mummy mummy probably any that's day what, now and, and i said to fred this morning we we're talking about i like you know all his buddies all charles's buddies have all retired to mallorca and they're all just you know hanging out and charles got to go to work and cut a ribbon at some stupid event uh 
Uh, Fred said you had some stats. One of the ones that I came across and I thought was interesting, and you may have seen it, is the uh, year that Charles was born, some 35-ish percent of the planet had uh, was under monarch rule or monarchy system. Mm-hmm. It's down to 9%. What other things did you uncover? Well, on, and on that real quickly before uh, some of the stats, but the um, uh, there's a lot of royal families. There's, there's you know, Sweden, Denmark, Spain, uh, Japan, Saudi Arabia. They actually, of course, rule Saudi Arabia. It's a different system. But there's a lot of royals, but there's really not... Uh, these are the most high profile ones in the world. The, the, the king and, uh, queen or, uh, queen consort that, um, I, I guess they get all the press because they're, they're about the oldest royal family that still functions in some degree. Uh, and I have no problem with them being or Charles being king of England. Mm-hmm. Like you look at Great Britain, Wales doesn't want a prince of Wales. They don't want a king. Mm-hmm. They want out Scotland, uh, Ireland, Northern Ireland, really. Uh, and then you, you go throughout the rest of the countries like Canada, Australia, so on and so forth. King of England, go. That's your industry, man. I said that um, to Fred yesterday. I said they mm-hmm. get, because he is like, they're like the Disneyland of England. Yeah. And yeah. they do serve a purpose. I, I mean, they do serve the tourism. There's an identity thing that we don't get. I said the exact same thing. Let him be the, let, let them keep Disneyland there. But right. you know, all the other Disneylands like Euro Disney, they're not as good. No one wants no, it. No. <laughs> you know, go ride the teacups, man. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. And enjoy yourself. But as far as the rest of the world in Canada, uh, and, and you mentioned Fred, some of the old guard in Canada, mm-hmm. We've got about eight to nine million francophones who statistically probably don't really want to pay homage to a British monarch. Mm-hmm. You also have, and this came out last year, between eight and nine million people in this country right now who don't have a first language that is French or English. Wow. So you, you add those two up, and that's half the country who, at least statistically, would not have anything to do or really uh, there's no history for them there's no heritage there's nothing there for the royal family that so now you're left with another half of the country and how many of those do you think really think it's it's still okay to to have a a, a queen even if it's just ritualistic or symbolic probably nobody under 70 years old <laughs> well that's the thing yeah. well freddie didn't you have Which a number percent of the world didn't you have a number like 60 percent of canadians have no like 48 percent say absolutely no not yeah. 20% say yes, and of the undecided, the, pretty much all that undecided would have to side with the yes to make it a right. majority. And you that was, know that, that was, under, you know probably a majority of the undecided when pushed would probably say no. What's the use? Mm-hmm. Angus Reid, Angus yeah. Reed, 60% uh, think it's time to move on, and I think it was a 48% absolutely do not like him. They just right. don't And like by the way, Charles. that number you throw, 20 million people is more than half the country. We're at like 35, yeah. 36 million. So really, of the remaining 15 million, you know, there's a high number that are like, okay, we're done with this. I don't yeah. want them on my money. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't do what it whatever it did back when we were kids. It's not doing it anymore. Hey, yeah. Howard. Um, you know, talk about the opportunity for change. So she dies. The twenty dollar bill. Now they're going to put him on the twenty dollar bill again. An, an opportunity that she's gone. I mean, maybe she could stay as a dead person. But if you're going to change that bill, why wouldn't you go Canadian with that? It's just weird. Yeah. It is. The, the thing is that, that uh, we hardly see money anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. That's true. Debit cards and pay apps, so it doesn't mean anything. 
anybody can get on a stamp. You don't have to be yeah. anything to get on a stamp. I'm hoping one day to still be on a stamp. Um, and we have. Well, we you have keep Governor up General this uh, podcast uh, work you're doing, my friend. Well, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm applying every year to the Canada Post. But the so I mean the day the day to day presence. If it just disappeared, I don't know that we'd notice. Yeah, we wouldn't difference. notice it. It would be British Columbia and Prince Edward Island. I guess they'd right. keep those, and we'd still have the Queen Elizabeth Way and the Queen Elizabeth mm-hmm. Theater and so on. But after that, I don't want to erase the history. The history's you know, going to be change the Queen City to Snatchtown or something. I don't know. Okay. So, <laughs> 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 I mean, if we're still if we're still making those stupid jokes. Uh, speaking of changing names, watch this segue. Here it comes. They're now. Freddie tells me this morning that there's talk of turning Dun- young Dundas square and changing the name to gordon lightfoot square see how see how we just work in the from name change it is beautiful it's a Uh, great idea idea now until they find out he was a slave trader. (laughs) that's right (laughs) as i said to fred they'll find out that he had slaves living in his uh, bridal path basement for years like what gordon had people like hondurans what (laughs) so what are your thoughts about time and and i'm i'm curious to see where you want to go with this because i did bring up this CanCon world that we all started off in in the 70s. But what are your thoughts about the passing of iconic Gordon Lightfoot? And actually, the topic of my next podcast episode. Interesting. Which comes out on Thursday. uh, I just called it Gord. And uh, talked a little bit about Lightfoot and and, uh, Canadian content and music. But but see, I'm I'm all for erasing Dundas from the... uh, from the street names and the square names and everything, I'm I'm all for that. I mean, horrendously expensive, but you do it, you piece it out, and you you do it over time. Um, as for naming it after Gordon Lightfoot, I I, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it yeah. is. Yeah, they could get some uh, Mexican immigrants in here to change all the Dundas mm-hmm. signs. That would be, <laughs> right. you know, like the, the what do they call the seasonal workers? There's a name for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, migrant workers. Okay, seasonal. I Your think words. Seasonal workers. Yeah, seasonal. Well. Okay, so. Uh, I, 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 you're serious about Dundas? I thought that was leading up to a joke or something. You no, you actually, really go- yeah, no, no. I have. I I don't find anything funny about that. It's all very dark and trouble. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> but the uh, yeah, I I I'm all for tearing down the statues and the and the and erasing the names of not from history but from uh, these these honorific kind of things where. You name a street or a school or a square or something after somebody, and you find out they they were not the person. Why would you want a daily reminder of that of that history in 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 a in a in a hallowed place like a like well, hallowed but like like a street in, in, in a place of honor? Yeah. I know I know what you're uh, saying. Honor, yeah. And there's you know the the fact is, you know, in this entire province there, why well, there's thousands of Dundases. Well, th- yeah. You know, maybe, you know, can't they just leave it Dundas and say, but it's not named after him. It's just Dundas. It's just the name. It's not him. Um, That would be cheaper. Sure it would. Or or just change the spelling. Ever just add an S or something on all the signs. Yeah. Uh, let's get or, to talk. Or add add was an asshole. <laughs> Where do you live? I'm at the corner of Dundas yeah. was an asshole and Spadina. That's right. uh, let's talk about because I brought this up with CanCon that you know in the early seventies the seventies. Obviously, Gordon Lightfoot peaks in the mid-70s on Billboard, has some of his biggest hits with Sundown and, you know, some of my favorite songs. I just played again for Song for a Winter's Night. And then, of course, later, the I recommend Ed and Miss Gerald. But the 70s weren't a great time for Canadian music production per se. 
that's kind of my take on it. And a lot of us played music, you and I playing as disc jockeys, 33% CanCon. A lot of it was not very well done. No, and I, I actually addressed that. It's kind of almost more of the topic of my next podcast than Gordon Lightfoot because, and I did some research on this, Gordon Lightfoot broke into the Billboard Singles Hot 100 chart and and I think went into the top 40, which is like that's a career maker mm-hmm. for a musician. In 1970, with if you could read my mind, uh, Anne Murray Snowbird, same time, international mega hit. Uh, Gordon and Anne, which was kind of the mother and father of modern pop music, in my opinion, didn't need the help. We'd play them anyway. Uh, and in 1971, they ena- enacted the CanCon rules. I don't know. I don't know if you've ever heard this legend, guys, but I always heard this unverified story that the CRTC hoped for 20 percent. Uh, but they thought broadcasters would come uh, offer 10. So they went with 30 mm. and said, eventually, probably we'll meet in the middle at 20. And broadcasters went, 30? Okay. <laughs> and, really? No, I've always, never heard that story. It was yeah, always right. 30. Yeah. Mm. Now, in, in the long run, I think the CanCon rules actually worked. Because as much as you had Edward Bear, April Wine. Which I liked, by the way. I'm sorry. (laughs) Once you had these acts that really didn't get airplay outside of, couldn't break through the Canadian system, at least there was a Canadian system. It built up slowly. There was a lot of mediocrity there, but it built up slowly. And somebody, eventually a young Alanis Morissette had something to look at. I've said that before. I said, you know, there was, for me, those bands were like the Powder Blues and Doug and the Slugs. Right. They got a lot of airplay that if there weren't a CanCon rule, may not have got the amount of airplay they got. My problem Absolutely. with CanCon is it took a while because there was so much of it being produced because of that 30%. I thought it was 33. But because of that amount, so much of it got produced that wasn't very good production. But it did, it, it, that, that decade gave us Alanis Morissette, Celine Dion, and on and on. Some of the biggest artists in the world now, Freddie was talking about The weekend, are Canadians. Yeah. And I think you can take it back to an industry that was created because of CanCon. Yeah, I, I, I think so. And I know how much we hated it at the time because we just wanted to play the Beatles and Zeppelin and Stones. And, but no, you got to play the Stamp Beaters, man. Oh, yeah, no. Sweet City Woman, again. Uh, so... Uh, and, and these bands, the other part of this was that, and we're from small towns, that um, on, on April Wine started to pick on them or Street Heart, whoever it was, Love could Street play Heart. Red Deer and yep. Moose Jaw and Medicine Hat. And and it, kids had something to do. They could see a band they heard on the radio. First, you know, first was, concert I ever went to, Moose Jaw Civic Center, 1975 or 76. It was April Wine and the opening act was Heart. Wow. Which got CanCon play. Because Dreamboat Annie was two and her three parts CanCon. Yeah. So the, if people don't know what CanCon is, it's there was a maple system, music, artist, production, lyrics, which I said could have been production, artist, music, and lyrics sounds better, but that's palm and we don't have palm trees. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's right. Maple. And two out of the four had to be Canadian in order for a song to be Canadian. So when, when Elvis did Early Morning Rain, the Lightfoot song, we could play it as CanCon. Mm-hmm. It was bizarre. Heart was bizarre because they're American. They're sisters from Seattle, but yeah. they mm-hmm. based in Vancouver and some Canadian production. And see it, you know, Crosby, Stills, Nash, not Canadian. Crosby, Stills, Nash, Young, 
can, yeah, we've so got depending to play on the song. Plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Where are where is it now? Because I know they've pulled it back a bit because it's just another again with music streaming. When I put my own playlist together, I don't have to have thirty percent CanCon or whatever, and it's just another sort of dagger in the heart of Canadian radio if they're still being forced to play music only because they have to. Yeah, I I don't know that there's are there any AM music stations. I don't think so. No. I, I always thought FM. Howard, do you know, Fred, do you know, it, it was a 20% for FM? No, yeah, I thought it was, it was the, back in the past few years. But it was it it initially been. was the same. Yeah. It was the same? Mm-hmm. As uh, a matter of fact, they they increased it for FM to protect AM. AM had less than FM. Uh, maybe that's where I'm getting 33% from. That's right. People would gravitate to FM, obviously, for the sound. So they made they allowed, as it evolved, they allowed AM to have less. But again, it's hard. The only AM music stations you're going to find are like little towns in the in the boonies. You somewhere. know, Larry, Freddie and I benefited, I think, and, and Fred before me and but that radio station that we worked at, CFNY, which became The Edge, I believe we had, for a good long period of time, the best CanCon of any format was on alternative radio. We just right, had sure. these great bands from, I, you know, I'm the hip and the bare naked ladies, but even more than that, Spirit of the West, et cetera, et cetera, uh, Our Lady Peace, which were edge staples before they were sort of mainstream bands. Because mm-hmm. I never, for the first time in my radio DJ career, didn't begrudge the CanCon that we played on the edge because I thought it was great. Right, right. There, there was, and, and that's, that's more to the 80s. 90s. The 80s and 90s. Well, Freddie well, in the 80s, 80s and the, yeah. he and I in the 90s. But I think that was the benefit of those rules in the 70s, yep. and the, as we just talked about. And but, I, think I, mean, the, I, I think the reason it worked for the Edge or CFNY back then, it was a very active audience who loved their music. And by playing those Canadian acts that others wouldn't, again, it was an opportunity. Those acts would act, actually play in the city, and kids could go out and see them mm-hmm. in person. So it all worked together that way. I don't know what the numbers are now, but when you start going through the list uh, in all genres from uh, Celine, Shania, Alanis Morissette, Shawn Mendes, The Weeknd, Drake, um, I, I'm leaving a bunch out. I know, you know, The Rush. It's it's just CanCon's not a problem. Mm-hmm. You're playing quality songs and you're going to make that percentage because there's so many Canadian acts out there. Before we uh, lose uh, Larry to another uh, more popular podcast that he'll be <laughs> guesting on, uh, there's an interesting story you wanted to talk about uh, your last visit to a bank teller. So I go to a bank teller once a month, and I don't know what you want to make fun of me on that, but I, I still... <laughs> Is that on your way to the butter churning uh, parlor, do you? Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. And I just... Okay, never mind the reasons. I go to the bank teller. Once a month, I make my little walk, go out there. There's an Asian fusion restaurant nearby to take out. It's a whole, it's an event. And uh, <laughs> I, so I go last month and uh, waiting in line, the other things, in my turn, teller comes up. I put in my card. Hey, how are you? I put in my card, punch in the, the pin. And, and I guess my name comes up on the screen. And she goes, oh, hello, Mr. Larry. She had a little accent. I didn't mm. even, did something. Hello, Mr. Larry. Uh, I'm uh, Ukrainian, and I'm going to help you out today. And I'm like, well, that's an odd opening. (laughs) Why would you? I guess she saw my name, thought it was Ukrainian, which it is. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So maybe this is her, maybe she's like, and I don't want to talk to people. I'm just I don't like. Yeah, people. no one I does. Just want to get the, yeah. But okay, I guess I should respond. Maybe she's newly Canadian. Maybe she's actually from Ukraine recently. Like uh, this stuff is racing through my head. What do I say? So I start in a thing. Uh, I'm like, well, I, I'm Ukrainian too. I guess you could tell by the name there. Although, uh, hey, don't ask me to speak the language because you know I don't speak it anymore. I've lost. A, I know that's a shame. I, it's a shame. You lose your, I don't lose the culture, but I've been, this family has been in, in Canada a lot and I'm, I can see she's getting uncomfortable. <laughs> and I think it's because I'm blathering because I'm on to like the history of the Fedoric family. <laughs> that's right. When Ma and Pa Fedoric first came to this country. So, so I say to myself, I said, okay, okay, Larry, in my head, I'm going, wrap it up, wrap it up. So I'm like, yeah, anyway. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, let's get going. <laughs> and she pauses and she looks at me and she goes, I, I, I said, I'm Amanda and I'm in training. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, there's an like, old guy moment. Mm. Ah, That's great. <laughs> training. See, that makes more sense why you would tell me that <laughs> right off the top. And you should have said, I'm Larry. I'm also in training to be uh, a human being at this I point. Am. So she's like, how can I help you? And I said, you can't. I'm leaving the branch. <laughs> That's right. I'm also leaving <laughs> oh, the country. I'm never going to be here again. Please enjoy this mm. tape at your Christmas party. That's funny, man. <laughs> and uh, just like the moment. <laughs> that's I, right. Yeah. Enjoy this blooper tape. Um, I can't go back. Before we uh, wrap up, we've been talking a lot about the uh, Leafs here on this program. Of course, uh, Fred, a legendary sports prognosticator. I'm a Leaf bandwagon jumper. I only watch the playoffs, but I watch them, you know, pretty closely. Yeah. I, uh, Sadly predicted they won't win a game against uh, the Florida Panthers, and uh, that may come true. What do you mean when you say the Leafs need to Rocky Four the Leafs? Or they, they need to, we need yeah. to Rocky Four the Leafs? So this, this will never happen because there are, there's unions and players associations, and it's a billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar industry, professional sports. But do you remember Rocky Four? was Drago. Like, I don't know my Rocky movies super well. Drago's the Russian guy when Rocky went over to Russia and he had to yeah. train in the woods. So the guy, the guy, remember the guy, he's like super fit, yeah. 0% body. He's got, and he's hooked up, he's all Peloton before Peloton. Right. He's hooked up to machines and they're measuring every little pulse and heartbeat and and drop of sweat and, and, and he's got like all this equipment and, and Rocky is in the countryside of Siberia, remember? Mm -hmm. And instead of lifting weights, he's lifting tractor tires in the snow. Mm -hmm. And he's he's peeling potatoes, and he's, uh, for agility, he's chasing chickens. Right, right, right. Which at first he can't catch. Right, right. (laughs) Uh, and, And he's chopping wood, and it's, that's what the Leafs have to do. There, There is no... There's no change in in anything for a Toronto Maple Leaf win or lose. The the mm-hmm. the vacation spot is just as good. The car is just as beautiful. The house is just as big. Mm-hmm. This is a professional sports problem. I get it, but there's no incentive there. Like You're they're right. gonna when they go to Florida during the season, they have Dad's Day where they get to take the dads golfing. The dads mm-hmm. come along, and it's like, like how about you get all that back when you win? You mm-hmm. in the meantime. You lift tractor tires and chase chickens, yes. and, the, and you train in, in outdoor, like, uh, ridiculous, right? That's Never right. happened. But I always think that's my version of you make it 
tough so that all the rewards come when you win and not before. And I mean win everything. That's you know, Rocky IV, Lily. I like it. <laughs> that makes, I like it. Yeah. You, you know, I through collective bargaining over the years, you know, salary caps and all that, I, 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 I wonder if Major League Sports has ever considered the one-year contract. No salary cap, but there's never anything more than a one-year contract. Interesting. See, I, I, would like lo- that. I would love to see that. Term limits. Yeah. That's what I've always said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Larry, that's why I like golf, because golf is such a meritocracy. Yes. And before the uh, Saudi League came in a couple of years ago, but on the PGA Tour, on most golf professional tours, doesn't matter who you are. It's, uh, you have to uh, make the cut. And if you don't make the cut, you can't play on the weekend. Imagine, imagine a sport where if you were, didn't hit a certain, uh, you know, number, if you weren't at 200, you know, you didn't get to play in the weekend series in baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, if you had yeah. to try out for the team every year, as Fred said, a one-year contract where you went to training camp to make the mm-hmm. team, it might incentivize these guys to try harder and chase chickens in the off-season, Larry. Thank you. I, I, I've always said that about golf, tennis similarly, but mm-hmm. golf especially, a lot of these guys, you know, are, are uh, they don't make a weekend and they're, they're getting in a car and they're That's actually right. driving. They call it, sla- they they call it being a trunk slammer. And it doesn't, the, the sport doesn't care if you're Tiger Woods or you're some rookie. On Friday afternoon, there's a uh, calculated cut. The guy's top 60 in ties. And if you're not in it, you got to go home. And by the way, these guys pay their own entry fees into these tournaments, which I think is hilarious. Uh, Larry Fedorik's uh, award-winning podcast. Award-nominated, sorry, this one. This one's just, yeah. Is it, by the way, since Freddie and I don't know, is it, is it good just being nominated? Or it is. is it, it is, okay. I, you know, it, it's, it's so better cliche. winning, though. I, I wish I had a better joke, but it just is. It's, God it's damn it. Lovely. Yeah, because you can always say that, you know? Yeah. You're the nominee. His, uh, you know, award nominated um, podcast. We can't even say that. No. Well, a, a huge <laughs> oversight, by the way. Yeah. No, not according to the people that make these, uh, these little contests uh, they know ex- they think they know ex- exactly what they're doing we encourage you all to listen to our friend Larry Fedorik's latest podcast called Later That Same Life wherever you get podcasts Larry looking forward to your visit next month my friend thank you love you guys love you sir thanks Larry and here's uh, Larry's least favorite band April Wine <laughs> thank you Dandoran's news coming up here in a second. First, Freddie's got some information. Again, you know, uh, no hockey game. Well, there might be a hockey game tonight, but not the Maple Leafs for whatever reason. It was uh, another two-night layoff. And, uh, you know, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bulldog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment, from their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and racebook, they've been pro- providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. As I mentioned yesterday, now the Florida Panthers an overwhelming <laughs> favorite to win the series. No kidding. Uh, but tomorrow night, Game 4, the Maple Leafs still have life, uh, have life, and I heard this discussed a lot yesterday. Like, it isn't over. You know, there's tomorrow night, win tomorrow night, and then try to win the the next game. Whatever. Anyway, tomorrow night, the Maple Leafs favored, believe it or not. What? Minus 120. Yeah, minus 120 to win the game tomorrow night. Wow. But this party's again. It's ridiculous. It's minus 1,200 for... 
Florida. But uh, yeah, Florida even money tomorrow. Interesting too. Uh, the over under tomorrow is six point five. If uh, you bet the over, I I believe you love the Florida Panthers because <clears throat> the Maple Leafs ain't going to be scoring a lot of goals. Take that to the bank. Okay, is that it? Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. That's, inform- that's a great information from our friends in Bodog. Mm-hmm. EVNet.ca, look at uh, look at those people. They're trying to make the electric experience designed to provide people with an affordable way to get in an electric car without having first to commit to a purchase. They call it the electric experience. And it's different levels. You can try different cars. Call 1-800-387-9391 and find out what the EV net.ca experience is pretty interesting this idea to take a car for a day a weekend for a week and see if this is what your lifestyle can support and i can tell you from having the opportunity to get in one now for a few months it really is something else i went to a gas station yesterday frederick only to get my car washed oh (laughs) if it's your first time trying electric Book the full experience. If you're thinking of buying one, this is a great way to see, you know, exactly what it's going to be like. And I can tell you, it really is something else. And when people talk about, what about if I get stranded and I can't find a place to charge? On uh, the three series that I'm driving, the Tesla, Fred, you know, there's a, um, the audio, there's a button on the steering wheel. You know, you can use the audio features like you hit it and it says, call Fred Patterson. You can also hit it and say, find me the nearest charging station and then dozens come up on the map and then it will it will navigate to a place so it's not a barrier it really is an experience you need to try for yourself evnet.ca once again evnet.ca at 1-800-387-9391 Um, speaking of uh, hockey, as I just was, last night they had the uh, NHL draft lottery, and it was won by the Chicago Blackhawks. And I remember over the Christmas period, you had watched a few of the junior games and that young uh, uh, Bedard, Connor Bedard. Mm. Is that his name? Connor? Whatever. Sure. Um, he will be going to the Chicago Blackhawks, Howard. So how does that, when you, when you talk about the lottery, is it, is it really a pure lottery? Well, it's weighted. Yes, explain that to me. The worst record has higher percentage and so on and so on and so on. Because it used to be the, one, the team with the worst record got to pick first. Yes, but they changed that to sort of prevent tanking. It's still going on to some extent. But I believe going into the draft, the Anaheim Ducks had the best percentage, and uh, Columbus may have been third or uh, second, Chicago third. Chicago moved to the one position. Anaheim went to two. Uh, Columbus stayed at three or whatever. And then everybody else kept their position. I was deathly afraid the Montreal Canadiens, through some fluke, were going to end up with the first pick. They did not, thank goodness. Um, but it, uh, Connor uh, Bedard goes to the Chicago Blackhawks, which is a good spot for him. You know, high-profile, uh, original six team, mm-hmm. big market. Good for him. And, uh, you know, like the Blackhawks growing up in uh, Moose Jaw, they were the Moose Jaw 
Canucks. Strangely, that was the name of the junior team that I used to cheer for, but they had Blackhawks jerseys, strangely enough. Howard, it's interesting, these uh, franchises. Yes, it's interesting, these franchises, how it works. Years ago, uh, the Blackhawks, they, they, more than the Leafs, had a Stanley Cup drought. They hadn't won since 61 until the early 2000s, and I think they ended up winning three. But they drafted, um, you know, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and a couple other mm-hmm. great guys. And they became part of the team and they ascended each year. They won a series. Then they won two series. And then they won a Stanley Cup. And <gasps> then won How does that even work? Okay. So, right. And then they have their glory and those players get old. Then they move. Uh, you know, Taves isn't going to stay in Kane's in New York now. And now they've dropped to the bottom and now they get this generational player mm-hmm. and Connor Bedard and then my point being look at the Maple Leafs we had that big draft a few years ago or a couple of years in a row Austin Matthews and William Nylander and Mitch Marner we're gonna do what the Hawks did (laughs) we're gonna do what Pittsburgh did we're gonna do what LA did nope we're gonna you know what they did (laughs) they did what the Leafs do that's what they did yep god damn it uh Dan Duran are you on uh have you Will you watch? What, let, let, let me put it this way: If the Leafs were to get to, hello, Dan. Hey, <laughs> good to see you again. It's great to be back on the show. I love how uh, I don't think you're being sincere. I love how you know from day to day. I love how day to day your set changes, and it's cool. Um, yeah. You should do that. You should just add some <laughs> some little thing. Do you remember the Army and Navy store on Main Street in Moose Jaw, just up from the radio station? I do. It was on the east side of the street, about two or three blocks north of where we worked. That featured, yeah. you know, gas masks for children. Yeah. Um, what if the Toronto Maple Leafs ever, and I know this is a big stretch, got to the Stanley Cup Finals? Would you then watch any My of those gas games? mask? Would you? <laughs> Would you then put on a gas mask? <laughs> if they, what's the question again? Would I what? Okay, not the actual final game, but if they got to the finals, best of seven, chance to win the, chance to make can, hockey history here in Toronto, would you watch that series? Yes, I would. Okay. Yeah, I'd make the effort for that. Good. Dan at the Tin Palace, I'm equipped with large screen TV. There have been some sporting events of significance where Dan has actually sat with me and watched it. Nice. He has uh, previously. Um, by the way, that general store in the Moose Jaw, was it similar to McKay's, uh, Dan? Yeah. Similar. Yeah. yeah. You know what I always remember about McKay's? We went in there, a bunch of us, one day, and Dan's uh, former wife, Jackie, was there, and the creepy guy who ran the place named Dave McKay looked at her, and he said, huh, are you good looking or just look, or what was it? Are you good looking? Oh, shit, I just had the line. Do you remember are that you, line? Are you yeah, good, or, or just or, looking good? That was it. Mm. Sorry, I blew that, but it was, like, unbelievable. Are you good looking or just looking good? It was yeah, a very we, uncomfortable uh, moment. Well, it's very, especially saying it out loud. Just, uh, <laughs> what's that big thing that guy says? Is she, is she, she's far from good, but good from far? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That anyway, one. it was one of the, and this guy was creepy. Yeah, And still, you know, get, get a load of this, too. The place has been closed for maybe 15 years now. Mm-hmm. Totally closed and boarded up. But every so often you drive by and he's in there. And you can't yeah. help but think, what is he doing in there? 
Like, this is an old abandoned building. <laughs> it was like, you know, the store, unlike the Army and Navy, this, this yeah. one was Mike, uh, uh, what do you call it, you know, the hoarder? It was a hoarder kind of right, store. Right, that's what Freddie was saying. It was just amazing. And in between the living quarters and the building mm-hmm. was a collapsed building. <laughs> And maybe the two. Maybe you should and, buy it and put it in where your trailer is right now. And, and Dan, remember, no matter what he asked for, asked him for, he knew where it was. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, but Fred, what, what I can see because like when you brought it up before, we're talking, Larry. Like Army and Navy was a department mm-hmm. store. That's what it was called. It was a department right. okay. store. Yeah. Um, what you're talking about is like some guy's general store. Uh, but but the point, the, the commonality there is yes. Who was still selling gas masks? That's the part that used to freak me out because you and, and 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 you know camouflage gear and uh, you know army stuff. Like you could buy old army jackets. But number one, they sell them probably for costumes later. Yes, yes, yes. But you know some of those gas masks, Howard, weren't necessarily army. They were guys wore those when they the old style insecticides and stuff and fields and stuff would wear. Oh no, for sure. Things as but, well. but, but yeah. these Freddie, mm-hmm. I remember these distinctly. These were like war gas masks with the canister on the bottom. Like it was a little mm-hmm. bit weird. Uh, Dan Duran sent us some information, Dan, about uh, CanCon. Why don't you, uh, uh, prior to your news, let's check in with Dan Duran. Oh yeah. Well, you guys are talking Con. about it. Yeah. You thought that the, uh, the rules have been relaxed. They haven't, they've been increased there. It's 35% CanCon for, uh, for broadcast radio stations between six and six now because it used to be six in midnight or six oh right yeah mm-hmm. which used to make me laugh you know they had these cancon rules in place that didn't count your because this well they did that so radio stations wouldn't fuck around but just so you people listening know like from midnight to six or 11 to six you didn't your cancon it didn't count against your day's cancon it had to be in those days between 6 a.m. and 11 p.m. Now they've made it 6 and 6. Remember the old uh, trick in radio, too. So your morning show, you'd pull back on it. But at 10 o'clock, you would have the old Canada hour. <laughs> or you'd go, you'd go every other song would be CanCon. That's because we. I was just going to say you and I. And which was a, a shame, uh, except for the big bands like the Hip and Our Lady Peace. We didn't play as much CanCon nope. for those three and a half hours. May, May got it all. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We said coming up, May Potts and all the Canadian songs we didn't play. Uh, now, now, here's now, to a fella named Anderan, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Hey. Oh. Anderan, the anchorman, comes as for credentials. He has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Danderan, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang so he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low And now, ladies and gentlemen, live from uh, Lisa's house Where who knows what's going on In between newscasts With news and views Danderan with a push of a button, you can conceal your license plate with new license plate concealing tech. Of course, it's illegal, and you can get a ticket for it, just like a Porsche driver that Holden police ticketed. It had no front plate, and the rear plate was disguised with a retractable black cover, which is activated from the driver's seat. 110 bucks for no plates and 110 bucks for plate obstruction 
obstructing license plates also makes it nearly impossible for speed red light cameras and uh, the Highway 407 toll cameras to uh, issue fines and fees, which, you know, province wouldn't want to miss out on. So uh, that's why the tickets there. But, you know, I, you can actually buy these things. I'd, I'd, I'd never even heard of it before. But just like the old James Bond uh, cars, you push a button and there's yeah. a a license plate that flips to a different license plate. You can buy that on Amazon for a couple hundred. The one that this guy used, which was a kind of a blind that comes down from from the top, uh, that one is on Amazon.ca, but no price tag. But a couple hundred probably get you into it. Yeah, and the cop stopped him because I guess he forgot to put it up or something. That would be the thing. Once you cover it, remember to uncover it because you're driving around. The cops are going to see that. The story I read about this, they didn't mention the 407, but I'm thinking that's probably the primary reason for yeah. this. Before he goes on, he flips it down and then, you know, and then flip it up and then flip it down when you're coming off whatever. And maybe he forgot. But then I'm thinking, you're driving a Porsche and you're trying to save that money on the 407. No, I know. It's sort of weird, isn't it? But uh, I've had those fantasies because I use the 407 a lot that I think I saw a James Bond movie one day with that laces play. And I thought, oh, man, I'd love that for the 407. Although that would be breaking the law, wouldn't it? It would be. It would cost you a couple hundred. Well, when the 407 first came out, before we use it as much as we do now, I thought... My fan in fantasy. No, that was your fantasy, was it, Fred? Oh, it was four oh seven e. Um, finger in the bummy. Um, I used to think, well, why not just get it, make it dirty, like just. Oh, I thought that too. You know, that that would be yeah. so simple. You drive through, you know, like as though you drove through a, a country area where there was mm-hmm. lots of puddles and mud. And oh, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, officer, was my license plate hidden with mud that I found? It's weird, too. My license plate is covered in mud, but not the rest of my car. It's not interesting. <laughs> exactly. Why isn't there mud on your uh, bumper, Mr. Patterson? Oh, uh, I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, didn't, I also I thought didn't, that some of that. I didn't think that far ahead. I'm a terrible I criminal. Think that far ahead. I'm a terrible yeah. criminal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought there was infrared cameras involved in that, in the 407 as well. I may be wrong, but. <laughs> I know it's a sad, so, it's a sore subject with you yeah. anyway, isn't it? The whole four hundred seven. Oh, the whole four hundred seven. Yeah, oh, yeah. terrible. But, you know what? I, I have noticed in Toronto though, having mm-hmm. driven around uh, recently a lot in sure. the city. Mm-hmm. Oops. Um, I don't go anywhere without Waze on. Waze has uh, uh, an alert for wherever there's red light cameras. Okay. Uh, which I'm not so concerned about because I never, you know, violate the intersection thing. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, the, you know, for all for the speed cameras to kind of worry about as well. But I did. But the speed in Toronto and a lot of the major routes is like down to 40 in some places. Sure it is. And also <clears throat> the number of cameras that are kicking around in the city now are just it's astonishing. Uh, I was talking about EVNet the other day or the other day, two minutes ago. And uh, this yeah. Tesla has whenever because it's gathering information from the internet for the gps system so it automatically has road issues displayed on the screen wherever you go as long as you've got a route you know if you've already put, you put a route in it will tell you will tell you where there are slowdowns mm-hmm. um it would also tell you dan what this what the speed limit is on the screen at any given time and so when mm-hmm. it changes it changes anyway yeah. Anyway, do you have another story? Uh, yeah, Waze is good uh, for that because uh, there's, you know, what they do. They're they're getting you. They they move these uh, red light cameras around too, eh? 
Like, oh, do they really? I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. But, but who's going through red lights anyway? But you know what, Howard? It's just, again, another thing in our society. People are so stressed out. They're in a hurry. They're preoccupied. Believe me, it's happening. They make a lot of money off those things. Well, yeah, I've only been caught once in the entire red lights. In the 20 years, I suppose, they've had them. And it was an inadvertent thing. I mean, it wasn't actually twice. Once wasn't me driving the car. And it's just a tax grab because they can't prove necessarily who the driver was. So there's no points involved. There's no insurance implications, apparently. It's just money. Daniel, before we wrap this thing up, I know Fred's got some more stuff to talk about. Do you have another story? Second story. I do. Yes. I do. Second fact, story. Yes, yeah. Dan Duran coming back from the newsroom with a second story here. Once again, it's Dan Duran. A woman who uh, is an author uh, after her husband died last year wrote a children's book on grief. And now she's been charged with his murder. Oh, my goodness. She, she was arrested yesterday in Utah and, it, and is, is accused of, of uh, poisoning her husband with a lethal dose of fentanyl at her home in in Kamas, a small mountain town near Park City. I don't know this basis. But anyway, uh, she was on uh, Good Things Utah, a uh, morning show for, uh, you know, Utah, Utahian. What is it? Utah, Utah people. Name? Keep going. Utah People from Utah and called her husband's death unexpected and described uh, how it sent her and her three boys reeling. For children, she said, grieving was about making sure that their spirit is always alive in your home. Mm. But dead in reality. How did they find out that she uh, fentanyled her husband? Mm. I guess they went back and uh, listened to her... uh, her testimony it was i guess this happened about a year ago year ago march and uh whatever she said you know didn't kind of totally line up and they found out that i guess they tested for fentanyl and also um she's had if i guess she purchased fentanyl oh that would be it yeah that's right how underhanded is that create a product to cover up something else it's ridiculous <laughs> it so is ridiculous underhanded. so underhanded um i was watching some clip from a 60 minutes uh there's this uh area of san francisco where and i'm sure it's all over america and north america where these fentanyl addicts are hanging out and they were talking about the addictive nature of this drug and how this one guy who's a fentanyl addict and was the spokesman for the addict he was the uh, fentanyl uh, spokesperson, and uh, he said, yeah, there are people, His in his story, business people that will walk by this area, like people that have regular lives, be tempted to try fentanyl and become instant fentanyl addicts and just leave their lives behind. It's that addictive. Must be some drug. No, that's what I thought. <clears throat> now, again, I don't know if we can totally trust him because he was on fentanyl at the time. <laughs> But you imagine me, educate me here. I thought fentanyl was like a filler. And then if there was too much, it killed you. You actually just take fentanyl as a, as a drug. I I didn't know that. Fentanyl is one of the things they use. I've had it uh, to put you to sleep for surgery. It's part of the cocktail. It's what Michael Jackson was using to help him sleep to that point in this clip. It was pretty. Well, it was a bit funny, but a bit scary that the these fentanyl acts weren't laying around. They were literally standing up, hunched over like this. Guys all just standing up, like standing up sleeping. Mm. 
because I guess they build up some tolerance to it, but they literally are standing around. And while this guy was talking, there was these fentanyl zombies with their heads, you know, sort of down by their knees, just right. kind of out, out of it. So, so you actually take fentanyl just on its own, but it's it's the the whole issue is the measurement, right? The I guess, and and the, yeah. the issue when other drugs are involved, like you right. know, there's all these stories about people buying weed or they're buying mush, some right. not mushrooms, but buying drugs that have been laced with fentanyl. That's the problem is you don't know, as you say, the measurement of it. Right, right, okay. But again, fentanyl spokesman was telling a story of people from regular, like regular Joes. He said, just walking by, try it, and then they become part of the community. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's quite the problem. Yeah. Well, and again, I, you know, you fear for again the so many stories of you know people unknowingly, unwittingly taking that. You just worry about kids, right? <laughs> Yeah. Or Kids. taking too much of it. I mean, you don't know the, the intensity of it. Cause exactly. It's like ours. Well, I can it's tell cut, you. Cut with something to... to so you know. the time I took... The last time I... Well, I've had it twice. Both times for surgery. And so in 2020, when they would put me out for my heart little operation, mm-hmm. and all I know... I was out for like four hours because they, they, the reason that operation takes a long time is they have to search around in your heart for the part that's fucking up. That was the best sleep I've ever had. And I remember thinking, mm-hmm. wow, I get it now, Michael Jackson. I get it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember when I woke up from my back surgery 20 years ago, whatever I was on, it was the euphoric as I woke up. I woke up singing. <laughs> People were laughing, honestly. And it was the same thing. It was Man, like, wow. I feel great. Whatever I was... I just had back surgery, but, you know, the world's a wonderful place at, the, at this moment. Yeah, I remember uh, coming to see you in the hospital and just what a difference, uh, almost immediately, what a difference you felt. Uh, we're going to wrap things up first, but we couldn't uh, say so long before this message gets through. Tim Niblett, the retirement Sherpa, will be on the show tomorrow talking about estate planning, everything that goes into estate planning. You know, and he'll, you know, he'll explain it's one of those subjects where people are going, yeah, I'll get around to it or, geez, you know, I don't like the thought of it. And sometimes it involves thinking about your demise, all those things. But there are things within it you have to be on top of just to prepare yourself for the end. And it's obviously good for your family. It's not left them, uh, leaves them picking up the pieces. Anyway, the, the Sherp will talk about that tomorrow. He's a uh, portfolio manager, Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund, retirementsherpa.ca. And thanks to Larry Fedorik. Appreciate him being here. Tomorrow, a uh, former uh, CBC uh, guy from Toronto, Bruce Dobigan, is going to be with us. He's a very bright guy. With a lot of very interesting views, listen to that. It'll be uh, certainly um, fascinating, if not chaotic. Interesting. Interesting. Dendera. This episode of Interesting <laughs> and Funny of Humble and Fred was brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, The Chamber's Plan, Bogog, Air Adventures, evnet.ca, and our newest sponsor, Architect Outdoor Living, Better Building by Design. We read those emails, all of them. We even have a Friday email show. Humble and Fred at humbleandfredradio.com is the email address. Liking, subscribing, that helps us out. So does and your friends to listen to a show. Just one show. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan and remember this show is 100% Canadian content enjoy every good damn day